I think that every person who's looking to play professional golf or just looking to play better golf in general has to be really honest with themselves and, you know, say like, Hey, I'm not giving this my best effort now, you know, or something, you know, along those lines. And that those things happen too. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're not cut out for it. It just means that this is something that you want to do. You have to be, you have to unwaver. All right. Marty Sanchez. How's it going? Everything's going well, my man. Just, uh, just happy to be on the show with you today. Stoked to have you on. Uh, you know, we were talking pr- previously, like I've never actually had a guy who's who's in the moment, in the grind, like on it, like working to make it big time. So I'm just excited to have you on and to learn from you, you know? Yeah, 100%. Happy to learn from you too. This is a new experience for me and I'm, I'm excited. For sure. So where exactly are you at? Uh, I'm actually in uh, Madison, Wisconsin right now. Uh, my wife's cousin was getting married. So I came up here. We came up here for a week, spent some time with some family. Uh, I'm super flexible, right? I can practice pretty much anywhere and, and, uh, get some work in like that. But, uh, yeah, it's just up here spending some time with some family. For sure. That's badass. I saw that on your story. I mean, those courses, we talked a little bit about it, but Midwest golf looked pretty pure, but, but dude, when you like, think about like your season right now, like where exactly are you at? Uh, Q school's approaching. So this is like, uh, this is go time getting ready to play as many tournaments as I possibly can right now. Still trying to get in ample rest time and, uh, you know, some, some quality work with my swing instructor back in Phoenix when I can and all that good stuff. But, uh, I'm getting ready for uh, Utah open qualifying and then Utah open after that. Then I come back to Arizona for a couple of days and then I'll go up to Durango, Colorado for Navajo trails open. And then after Navajo trails, I'll do uh, San Juan open in Farmington, New Mexico. You know, how do you break it up in your mind? Is it like, all right, I'm playing Asher tour for X amount of months and then I'm going to play this tour or that tour? Like how, just as like a guy sitting on the outside looking in, like how, how, what's the best way to think about it or to kind of like understand what's kind of going on as far as like scheduling goes? Yeah. So, I mean, as far as scheduling goes, you know, mini tours, uh, we have like off season events, um, you know, like winter events, kind of things that are post Q school, I would say, uh, is what I would call them. So those events are, I would play fewer of those just because that's like a time I might do some part-time caddying in Phoenix uh, at a course. Um, and then you also just a little bit of downtime, which has always been, has always been good for me. Uh, but I like to, I like to play a bunch of different courses. I kind of branched out this year uh, and played a few APT events, which are incredibly run events. I mean, they're awesome. Asher tour is great as well. It's really nice for me because they're closer to me. So I can do a little bit less traveling. They're more around the Phoenix area, California. Um, and then I play a couple state opens that I really like, like Navajo trails and San Juan and uh, New Mexico open, which I'm not hundred percent certain I'll be able to play this year just with the Q school, uh, which kind of guts me. Cause that's my, that's my home state open. And that's, that's one of the ones I want to win the most. Is it at Marty Sanchez links or where is that? Oh, no, it's actually, uh, it's actually in Hobbs, New Mexico. My, one of my best friends is the head golf professional over there. And I played uh, junior college golf in Hobbs, New Mexico. So that place has a, has a special place in my heart, even though it's just a, it's a little small town, a uh, little oil town with tons of great people. And, and they really rally behind uh, the junior college and, and the golf community there, which is awesome. Dude, so let's get into it. That's a nice segue into a New Mexico golf. You know, I grew up in the Northwest in Portland, Oregon, and then I played like, you know, pretty much most of my golf on the West Coast. And I haven't really. Amazing golf up there, too, by the way. Oh, yeah. 
but like when you think about golf in new mexico man like what's golf like you know I've, i know there's marty sanchez links which i thought was hilarious because i thought because your your email's like ms enterprises i'm like oh dude yeah. marty owns this course can we talk oh, a little no. bit about golf in new mexico man yeah so uh marty sanchez link santa fe was named after my uncle uh the course was built in or opened up in 1998 and uh Santa Fe never had a public golf course uh, up until that point. And, you know, we had a close family friend that was the mayor. My uncle had just passed away. And the mayor uh, at the time, who's actually my best friend's grandpa, uh, wanted to get the golf course named after after him. And uh, he ended up getting that done. And, you know, it's been a it's been a special place in our family's uh, history and and heart ever since it opened up. But uh isn't it like 7,800 yards too or something like that? It's pretty long, but the nice thing, I mean, New Mexico, that's what I was just about to tell you. It's high desert. So uh, we're at Santa Fe is like, any, I think the golf course itself is almost 7,000 feet above sea level. Uh, Santa Fe itself is like 7,200 feet. So I mean, the ball goes so far out there. So golf courses, you know, a 7,800 yard golf course in uh, New Mexico is pretty much like a 6,900 yard course in, in San Diego, essentially. Um, so there's a lot of really, really good golf courses. It's a little there. I would say, you know, you don't really play that many events out there just because of the high elevation, but, uh, you know, UNM championship golf course that they've had regionals there. They've had uh NCAAs there. It's an amazing golf course. And that's probably my favorite course in, in New Mexico because, uh, it's one of the few out there where they, it forces you to hit every club in your bag. And I think that's a, you know, that's a great indication of a good golf course and, in New Mexico, you know, you have lots of, you know, lots of par fives where you're hitting seven irons into and, you know, uh, but it's still, I mean, golf anywhere is still a challenge if you have the right design and there's still a bunch of really good courses out there. Yeah. Unless you're like Bryson. I mean, did you see that 58? That's something I wanted to talk to you about because I was watching this postseason and dude, I'm kind of scatterbrained here. So like, I want to talk about junior golf, right? I want to talk about you doing well in junior golf and stuff. But like, as we're talking about kind of like going low right now, I mean, in his post conference, he talked a little bit about how he grew up playing red tees, just learning how to score, like getting to 10 Mm -hmm. under being like, Oh shit. Like I can go lower. I can go to 12. I can go to 14. Did you do that? Is that like how you got, I still do it, honestly, from time to time. I'll, I'll still go out and I'll, uh, like, I play at Phoenix Country Club now. And, uh, you know, I'll still go out and play, you know, I'll play nine holes and I'll play different tee boxes on each on each hole. And, uh, you know, just really practice on just, just trying to get comfortable with getting, going as low as I can. And, uh, you know, obviously, you're, it's, it's still hard to shoot a 58 from the latest tee box because you have to make putts and you still have to hit shots. And, I mean... For him to shoot 61 or 58 on the weekend was incredible. Incredible. He definitely deserves a consideration for the Ryder Cup. Yeah. But for you, like, do looking at your game, is that something you kind of, like, did as a junior? Like, did that help you? Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. My dad would have me do that. Um, I would say I was kind of a late bloomer in terms of in terms of golf. I didn't really start shooting under par until I was, like, I mean, I guess relatively, like, compared to some of the guys who were playing professional golf, uh, like, 16 um so you know it took me a while but I feel like uh I got really good at managing my game up until that point so while I wasn't shooting crazy low scores I was you know keeping it right around par and uh relying on my short game and putting essentially and uh but yeah once I started hitting the ball a little bit farther and started getting better with my wedges you know I'd live from the ladies tees at Santa Fe Country Club and which is one of the shorter courses that that I grew up at and you hit a bunch of wedges and 
yeah, it got, learned how to go low pretty quickly out there. Yeah, I feel like most people would probably benefit from that, not just competitive 100%. golfers, right? Hundred percent. I think it's big for junior golfers to learn golf from like the green backwards, right? So if you're if you're developing a short game early and putting and chipping, the distance always come when you get when you get bigger. Um, so if you're learning the short game stuff early and you're working your way back, it's it's I think that's the best way to do it. Just because chipping and putting is number one, it's a great equalizer and you know, if you watch like any PGA Tour event, any live event, those guys are getting up and down from crazy. Wyndham Clark at the U.S. Open. I mean, some of those up and downs he had were insane. So I think that that's huge for kids to learn that way and get good with your wedges early, get good with your putting, and then figure out the driver stuff earlier because it seems like every kid now is hitting it so far. And, uh, you know, once you're hit, you know, you hit wedges out of the rough. I mean, it's still better than hitting a seven iron out of the fairway most times. So. Right. Were you speed training back in the day, like when you were a junior? Oh, dude, I was I was pretty small growing up, like I said. So I was like, uh, I did not hit it very far. And then I was at elevation, right? So even though I wasn't hitting it far at elevation, so it was kind of a shock when I got to college. And that's kind of when I started trying to trying to hit it a lot farther. And I st- still wouldn't say I'm like, you know, incredibly long now. But, uh, you know, I try to get it out there and I'm still working on it to this day. I'm trying to trying to hit bombs. <laughs> Yeah. But dude, everyone on tour is like stupid long as well. I mean, like some of these guys, like, do you ever see like 200 ball speed cruising? Like for some of these guys or? Uh, I mean, I've, I've caddied, I caddied for Tony Finau a couple of times and I mean, it's so impressive how hard he hits it and he has another gear. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I'll ever be a, a 200 mile an hour guy. But, Dude, that's uh, so stupid. Like 200 miles crazy. an hour is fucking dumb, man. It's insane. It is yeah. insane. And uh, I mean, I actually, there's a couple guys I've played mini tour golf with that are flirting with it. I mean, it's it's shocking when, you know, you're taking a seven iron up to the tee and they're taking pitching wedge and nine iron. You're like, Dude, what is going on here? Yeah, screw you, dude. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> awesome. Dude, so how would you assess your game? I mean, you mentioned you're kind of going into Q school here. Like within, when exactly is Q school again? I should probably know this. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to have to do pre-qualifying. And pre-qualifying is going to be uh, in September. Uh, I think if I get into the side I want, it'll be the 10th through the 13th, I believe. Uh, and then after that is first stage, which I'm hopeful that I'll get uh, UNM championship golf course, which they have a first aid side out this year. And um, yeah, like I said, that's one of my favorite golf courses to this day. So I'm, I'm hopeful for that. But uh, in terms of how my game is, I feel like I've been trending uh, in the right direction all year. Uh, I've had kind of slow starts to first rounds of tournaments, I, which I've been working on pretty hard. But uh, my second rounds, my cut, my cut days have been pretty tough. This the last three events, I shot 69 at uh, a tournament at uh, an APT event at Metamoro Fields. Uh, and I went bogey free there. Then the following tournament I had uh, in Texarkana and I shot a bogey free 64 there. And then I played Waterloo open last and shot a bogey free 65 in my second round. So everything's trending in the right direction. It's just kind of me just puzzle puzzling it together for an entire tournament. Dude. So that first day, like I can't imagine, like because you kind of have to just go low to win, because everyone just goes stupid low. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. like how do you, how do you do that, dude? How do you fucking do that? Like just as a normal guy, like on the outside looking in, that's why I'm stoked to have you because I'm like, holy shit, bogey free sixty four. Give me a month, I can't make eight birdies. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, you know, I think, uh, you know, I my dad used to tell me this at uh, when I was growing up when I started playing two day tournaments, which 
you know, in New Mexico, junior golf, you're playing, you know, nine hole events, and then you turn 13, and then you would start playing 18 hole events. But, you know, the state championship was really the only thing that was um, two day events. So my dad always used to tell me that you could, you can't win a tournament the first day, but you can definitely lose one the first day. So I've always kind of played that pretty close. Um, and, you know, typically, I am never like a, I never like go out with like the intention to, you know, birdie the first couple holes to get a good start going. I kind of, I like to kind of play it slow and uh, be aggressive when it calls to be aggressive. Like if I get a good number early, you know, let's fire it a pin. I'm, but typically I'm trying to get a feel for where I'm at in my game, you know, in my game to start the round off and, you know, just kind of play patient that way, especially the first round of a tournament. But I mean, also if I, you know, start making birdies early, I'm definitely going to keep the foot on the throttle. It's just more, more of a slower pace, I feel like for me. And that's also something that I'm like trying to get over a little bit at the same time, trying to figure out a way where I could be a little bit better at both. No, that's definitely like a hard question to ask too. Cause it's like all these factors go into it, like golf course, you know what I mean? Like where your game's at, like the setup, all this. Yeah. So I know that's like the kind of a hard question to answer. You know what I mean? It's like, it really just depends. Right. Yeah, it depends. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I'm never going out there to start a tournament thinking like, oh, let's, let's go. Let's, you know, let's get it going like right away. Because I feel like that's when, when you start thinking like that, you just kind of leave yourself open to make some mistakes. And back to that thing that my dad used to tell me, right. You can, can't win a tournament the first day, but you can lose one. Um, See, that's, so I think that's the best way I could answer it is I just try to let it all come to me and without forcing it, because I feel like that's, where I'm more successful. And even those rounds where um, those those second rounds where I've been playing pretty well and everything's just kind of came to me. I never like was actively, you know, out there just pedal to the metal the whole entire time, but not much changes though. Honestly, it's just more, I don't know exactly how to put my finger on it. Why I'm playing better in the second rounds first. Dude, is it like flow state or something? Cause you always hear about that. Like, you see what mentioned like you, you let the game kind of come to you like you're not chasing yeah. you're not necessarily firing at pins like is that kind of what it's like to go like stupid low for a no, like a normal human to try to like yeah. understand what it's like to actually go low like does it just kind of happen you know what i mean you just make putts you feel super confident like where's your yeah. mental state at like what is that like to actually just be in that zone on the course for you it's it's a lot of fun uh i <sighs> I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to like put it in words, but it's like, I feel like everything's a lot clearer when I get into that position. Like I'm less indecisive on which club I want to hit or the shot I want to hit. Um, I feel like I just see my reads, my lines on the greens a little bit easier. Um, but yeah, I'd say the the biggest thing is just the clear thoughts. When I get in a good rhythm and a good, in that like flow state, like you said, I feel like all of my thoughts are super clear. I know exactly what I want to do. Uh, and it does, I spend less time thinking about the shot, honestly. And I think that that's big, that more time doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have a better outcome, especially when you're in that state, because I feel like the best thing you could do is just stay out of your own way when you're in that position. Yeah, no, I've had on this like golf psychologist, his name is Dr. Joe Parent. He wrote Zen Golf and he just kind of talked about similar things to you. It's just like, letting the game come to you and it sounds so easy it's like oh and you know i mean oh yeah i'll just let the game come to me but dude it's fucking hard right yeah it takes practice and also you mess like you're gonna make some mistakes while doing it too and then i feel like the more reps you get and the closer you get you start 
getting into the position where it's not even something you necessarily think about. Like uh, some of my best rounds of golf, I haven't been a hundred percent certain, like what I was at, you know, like going through, you know, going through the course of the round where I was like, eh, just like made so many birdies, they like just started blending in. And then next thing I know it's, you know, I'm on 16, 17, 18 and, and it happened so quickly. And I'm like sort of sad that it's, that I'm like, almost well, you had to be like hand. so present too. You know what I mean? You had to just be like living and like breathing every shot, not thinking about, Oh crap. Like there's a, you know, super hard hole coming up. Like, all right, I just have to put it on the green in, in one putt or whatever. You know what I mean? Like you're literally just like feeling and being present in every shot. And like, that's a super hard thing to do. Cause it's like, everyone's mindset now is just so short. I mean, I'm like constantly looking at social media, dude. I'm constantly chasing like the woman in the red dress kind of thing. Like what's next, what's next, what's next. And that's kind of like why I love golf, dude. Is like, it kind of just brings me to this thing where I like have to just be present and same with this pod. Like I fucking feel present right now, you know? Well, I mean, also like you just mentioned, like uh, being fearful of like what you have coming up, right? Like, uh, Oh, I got a tough par four water all the way up the left. OB right. I mean, the same thing can be said too, is where you don't, you don't want to like be looking forward to something good too. Like you have, you know, a par five coming up that you can get two and two with an iron. That's also, also taking it out of your, out of your present thoughts. And that's that, you know, it's hard not to do it. I mean, there's still times I do it a hundred percent. I mean, I'll, you know, be, get a couple under par and like, Oh, I have a par five. I hit seven iron into yesterday. And then I have, you know, a drivable par four coming up. It's hard. It is so hard to not have those thoughts come into your head, but I feel like those thoughts are okay. As long as you're able to come back to center and focus on what you have in front of you at, you know, at the right time. How do you do it? Do you like breathe? Like, do you have a breathing technique or like, like how, you know? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I tell, uh, I, uh, I work with a sports psychologist too. And, uh, he's awesome. Billy Ryan. And he works with another, a bunch of, uh, mini tour guys. And, uh, he's a great guy. And he's, he's, uh, he's helped me a lot about, you know, just cleaning up some thoughts and, uh, breathing. Cause you know, it's, it is, it is tough. You know, it, it is tough when you start feeling that pressure and, you know, you're excited and you always need to find a way to bring you back to center. Um, but uh, what I was going to say was my big thing is like when I'm walking down before I hit a shot, you know, I'm kind of try to only give myself like 30, 30 to 40 seconds to actually hit the shot where I'm really only focused on that shot for 30 to 40 seconds. Um, and then, you know, when I'm walking up the fairway or riding in a cart to my ball, I'm like thinking about a hundred different things, looking around, thinking about some, you know, might have a song in my head, something along those lines. But I feel like I've always been most successful when I'm really only giving my a hundred percent of my focus for a shorter amount of time on that golf shot. Cause when you're walking up from, you know, let's say you hit a drive 300 yards and you're walking up the fairway and you're thinking about your shot before you even get to that, you know, get to your ball. I feel like that's can kind of start cluttering some thoughts and, you know, it's just, there's so many different variables in golf too, right? Wind could be a completely different direction when you're, you know, walking up the fairway than it is when you're standing over the ball. So, you know, just, and honestly, for, I guess for lack of a better, better way to describe it, let's speed it up, you know, right. let's speed yeah, it up. For sure. Dude. So like how much of that goes into like your, your prep for these tournaments, like walking courses and whatnot. And like, you know, like, is that a big part yeah. of it too? Is just like, as you have your practice rounds, you sort of like visualize kind of where you'll be in actual tournament play. Sort of. I think that there's like, you know, I'll hit some shots on from uh, I, majority of my practice rounds. I'm really focused around around the greens, uh, you know, putting and chipping. So, you know, if we have a long par four, uh, 
you know, where I'm going to be hitting a long iron in and my odds of missing the green are, you know, higher than they would be if, you know, on a hole with a wedge, I'm definitely going to be focusing on like, where do I want to miss this? Um, is this bunker? Okay. You know, definitely don't want to go long. So let's find the easiest place where I'd be able to get up and down from. Um, and, you know, on the shorter holes where, you know, par fives that you can hit in two, I'm hitting a bunch of lag putts, hitting a bunch of bunker shots too, just because you're typically going to have a longer shot into those greens. Um, and then, you know, obviously when you have a tough driving hole, I might, you know, hit a driver off the tee and see if I like driver versus two iron or driver versus three, you know, three woods, just something along those lines. But I feel like I try to, I try to learn the golf course as fast as I can during my practice rounds and not spend five and a half hours out there. Cause I feel like I don't necessarily get that much out of that in that situation. You know, I'm never, there's some times where I might play nine holes and I'm trying to, to go pretty low, trying to just get a feel for the feel for the golf course and see how low I can get it and how comfortable I am. But the majority of the time I'm like trying to get something out of, you know, the misses more so than like the positive stuff, if that makes sense. Right. As far as like yeah. course management goes, because at that point, you yeah. mean your swings pretty much, it is what it is, right? Like whatever yeah, I mean, you take into so- that week. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, you're not going to have, and that's something that my swing instructor has told me before in past too, because there's, you know, I've definitely been like a little bit like, damn, I can't figure out what I'm doing wrong right now. And then he's like, dude, we just need to figure out ex- uh, like a shot you can hit and let's just go from there. You know? And I think that's huge for, for golfers who panic on the range before a tournament and you see guys hitting a bunch of, you know, a bunch of shots. And it's like, I don't necessarily use the driving reins before a round for anything other than warming up and just getting loose enough to go out and play golf and whatever I got is what I got. And I'm going to figure out a way to get it done with that, with what I have. Um, I love that dude. I feel like more people have got it just like kind of lean yeah. into that, you know? Cause like this podcast is like, I try to make it for everyone, different perspective. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like for 100%. players, for guys that are just like, like COVID golfers and stuff like that. And I just feel like a lot of the times, you know, like the range is this place that you can absolutely go mental on the range. And that's maybe a good topic for the week is just, I mean, we talked about the mental, like the breathing and whatnot, dude, there's been times where I'm just absolutely just slapping it around on the range. Like I look like an idiot and then I go out and shoot a, an okay score. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like Bryson and the British when he was having that, like, minor meltdown where he had like his driver over his shoulders. He was, he was going crazy. And then now look at him. But uh, yeah, I, I, I will tell you this. I spend the least amount of time on the driving range when I'm hitting the ball. Well, you know, I just hit a few shots, like, uh, you know, I'll, you know, maybe go through like a 30, 45 minute range session, just hitting, you know, a couple of shots, working on a cut, working on a draw. But for the most part, I try to get off there as soon as I can. And I spend most of my time chipping and putting when I'm practicing. Let's get into practice, man, because I yeah. feel like, you know, a lot of times, a lot of times, and, and I'm just speaking for myself, right? Like, there's been times where I'll just, just grind on the range, and I'm like, you know, like, how productive is this? Like, how much am I actually getting better? And, like, I would want to hear about your kind of routine, like, how you like to structure practice as a pro. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, like really fucking getting into it, dude. How do you How do you like to think about practice? Yeah. So my, the thing, like I said, again, the biggest thing I work on when I'm practicing, like have a day of practicing where I'm not going to go play is short game. Short game is always going to be the first thing that I touch on because like I said earlier, I think it's the most important part of golf. Um, And I never want to make the sacrifice on the short game. Right. So if I get a little bit tired out in the heat and all I've done is hit balls, my desire to go putt and chip is not going to be nearly as high as my desire was to go hit balls at the beginning of the day. 
So I always make sure I get some putting in first, which is typically typically like an hour, hour and a half, maybe even two hours sometime, just depending upon how the drills are going. Are we chalk lining it or what? Uh, yeah, the chalk line occasionally. I, I I only really use the chalk line when there's already one that somebody had on the green, honestly. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's fucking hard to set those things up, man. You have to be like a physicist, dude, to snap the yeah, line. You get a mess. Like... It make a mess. It's just not, it's not, not that great. But uh, I'm a big, I love the ruler. Uh, I love hitting putts on the ruler to start off just because it kind of gets me focused on, you know, hitting. Obviously, you have to roll a perfect putt to keep it on that ruler for three feet. Um, and then after I roll a few putts with the ruler, I'll put some tees up and then I'll hit, do the gate drill with the ruler, which I think is great for me. Uh, so I guess early I do a little bit of stroke work. I guess you could call it that. And then after that, I'll, uh, you know, I'll do like, uh, I'll set up three tees, three feet, four feet and five feet. And then I'll do that on four different locations around the hole. So I'm getting the short putts, in, short putt practice in. And then after that drill, I, you know, typically I'll just like hit, you know, hit a few random putts uh, from like 15, 20 feet, just trying to make as many putts as I can. Um, and then another favorite drill of mine is the ladder drill where uh, you set up an alignment stick behind the hole about pretty much wherever you're comfortable to walk up and tap it in. Uh, so, you know, two, three, I mean, well, probably not three feet, but one to two feet past the hole. And then I set up a T three feet from three to 30 all the way back. And the goal is to make uh, two out of five all the way through. Uh, I kind of hold myself to a little bit higher standard. I'll try to make uh, from three feet. Obviously, I need to make all of those from six feet. I'm trying to make, you know, four, you know, obviously I try to make everything. But, uh, you know, I give myself a little bit of latitude. But once I get into about 12 feet, I'm kind of just like, let's make two out of the five and let's go on to the next one. And I've had, I've done that drill. I've got it done in like 20 minutes. I've gotten it done in, you know, two hours. I mean, it's just, it's, I think it's a great drill because you're practicing making putts and you're seeing the ball fall. And at the same time, you're working on your speed because that was the thing I left out. If you hit the alignment stick uh, and it goes over, you're, you're moving back up. So if you were just at 15 feet and uh, you hit the alignment stick, you're going back to 12 and starting over. So I like that because it also incorporates a little bit of pressure involved. So when I'm hitting these putts and it's super important that I'm just, you know, from 30 feet, the vast majority of the time, you're going to be super happy with a two putt. And, you know, if you have the speed that dialed in to where you can not hit an alignment stick two feet past the hole, you're in, you're in pretty good shape. Um, and as far as uh, shaping practice, uh, I just kind of go around with a shag bag and hit a bunch of different shots. And uh, I, I caddied, did some catting out at Silverleaf and I would watch John Rom uh, practicing a short game out there. And that was, I mean, it's so impressive. And that's pretty much what he does. He's just going out there hitting a bunch of different shots with a bunch of different clubs and and I feel like that's that's the best way to to improve the short game. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you a big stat guy? Like, will you look at your stats after a round and be like, "All right, I can improve here, or I could improve there"? A little bit. I think I, I'm I'm wouldn't say I'm like crazy into stats. I mean, I'll keep track of like my greens, um, how many greens I hit, and if I hit, you know, if I missed a green, did I get it up and down? And if not, where did I, you know, was it a bunker shot I didn't get up and down? Was it a, you know, a long twenty yard chip? with a bunch of green to work with out of the rough or, you know, like I just kind of keep track of that. And then I incorporate that into my practice when, when I'm done. And typically like if I went out and played with my buddies after the round, I'm going to go out and kind of try to replay some of the holes that I made bogey on, or, you know, had an easy look at birdie and didn't, you know, didn't convert. I'll go back out after I'm done and like play those holes over again in my head. And that's always been 
that's always been great for me because it gives me the chance to, uh, to tell myself that I can do it. And there's no reason that I can't, if I can do it out here, there's no reason I can't do it out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So that's short game. So like, when you think about that, is that like half the practice or is that like, you know, 70% of your practice right there? Obviously it sort of depends upon how I'm hitting it. And if I'm working on, uh, working on stuff like in my swing earlier this year, um, my swing instructor, JD Fernandez, he's incredible. This guy's, a, this guy's a guru. Um, I was hitting so many balls earlier in the year, trying to make a couple changes that we both thought I needed to make. And, uh, you know, I've, you know, literally callous, calloused hands, you know, three hour, four hour rain sessions, which are great too. But I, I really only feel like those, that amount of time on the range is great when you're actually doing, you know, doing something like making a change, right? If you're just going out to the range because you're hitting the ball good and you just want to make yourself feel good about yourself, I feel like that is not the way to go about it. And I've all, and we've all done that, right? Like I'm hitting it so good. I just want to go out there and I'm hitting driver. Great. want to go out there and just bash driver on the range, you know, and just watch how far I hit it. You know, I feel like that is a very unproductive practice, especially when, you know, there's always something that you're struggling with in your game for the most part. So go practice your putting, go do chipping, do some bump and runs, you know, go out there and, you know, hit some shots on the golf course, you know, if you can. Dude. So for you, you'd mentioned a swing change. Like what specifically were you working on with, was it JC Fernandez, JC or JD? JD. JD, So like, what were you guys working on? Cause you think about like a swing change for like a guy at your Mm -hmm. level. I mean, is it just like very small, like kind of wrist angle things? Are you fundamentally like changing like a big piece? We we had a pretty big change this year. Um, the last year, I had a, a really solid year last year. I, I had like maybe two two or three finishes outside the top 20 last year. Um, and, you know, I was knocking on the door in a couple tournaments where I, you know, had a good chance to, you know, win. Um, but then Q School rolled around and I was really, really struggling. I was very one-dimensional where I could really only work the ball left to right. And, you know, I just was – the golf course I played Q School at, it wasn't really conducive for that. I felt like I wasn't hitting it very far because my contact was off and uh, you know, I just decided to get in touch with JD who I met through another friend who plays professional golf. And uh, you know, we just kind of blew it up and worked a little bit more on rotation. Um, You know, just kind of optimizing some of the stuff I do. Well, I'm trying to think of like, without like getting too, too far into detail, just really just shallowing out the swing, giving my, giving putting myself in a position to where I could work the ball both ways without, you know, really too much effort. Um, and the short game stuff with him has been, has been pretty, uh, pretty fun to learn from. He's taught me a bunch of different shots that have been super helpful. And uh, like, what been, kind of shots like at that level, would you, do you need to learn that you don't have as a guy who's like, you know, you've broken 60, right? You've, 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 you've played like, you know, you've played golf your entire life. Like what kind of shots do you need to learn? You know, it's not so much that, like, I know how to hit a bunch of the, sh- uh, like, going into seeing this guy. Uh, I knew a bunch of shots. I just wasn't hitting them the easiest way to hit them, essentially, right? Um, so a perfect example would be uh, kind of like a low spinny chip. Uh, I would kind of have my hands way forward, balls, you know, kind of neutral in my stance. And then uh, I would just kind of hinge and hold it. Um, but you know, problem is, is that's, you know, you're hitting, you're not hitting it with bounce, you're hitting it with the leading edge. Um, 
So we just worked on, you know, ball position a little bit, hands a little bit more neutral, and then feeling a little bit of a release through the shot. And while, I, you know, because the ball's further back in my stance, I'm able to control the flight. And then because of the release, I'm adding loft through the shot to get it to land a little bit softer. And it still has the stopping power, whereas the ones I was hitting before was maybe like a little bit of grab and then a release, which, you know, you can get away with that sometimes, but, you know, majority of the time it, you want every chip shot to have somewhat some a little bit of stopping power especially if you're hitting a 60 or a 54 something along those lines um, dude i love learning a new shot though like there's nothing yeah. better than that because it's like all right your arsenal of like tricks or your like you know swiss army knife is just getting like yeah. more stout you know what i mean like there's nothing i think that that's like one of my favorite things is just like the epiphany on you know the chipping tripping green or whatever like that just yeah feels i mean so there's so good. many good there's so many good follows on uh, uh, social media now for short game. I mean, Parker McLaughlin, uh, short game chef. He's dude, he incredible. just reposted like, you. I saw that. Cause yeah. dude, where were you at, dude? Where you were in, were you still in Wisconsin? You're- yeah, I was in Wisconsin working on some yeah. chipping stuff. And, uh, and uh, Parker, I actually caddied for Parker at uh, Whisper Rock. And I had, I didn't know, I didn't know who he was when I caddied for him. And on the first hole, he hit this crazy chip shot. And I was like, Wow go on to another hole and I was, he hits misses a green and he's kind of in a bad spot. And I was like, uh, most of the members put it from here and he's like, I'll have my 60 and then hits it up there to like this. And I was like, geez, like this guy is, this guy is somebody. And, uh, Parker and I worked a little bit, uh, a little bit early before, uh, honestly, right before I won Las Vegas open, uh, he gave me a bunch of different shots, like high soft ones. I was pretty new to Bermuda grass coming from New Mexico so I struggled with, you know, learning the bounce and or learning how to use the bounce effectively. And uh, yeah, so it, Parker's been super nice to me and he's an incredible guy to follow. And he has a cool page, uh, obviously short game chef where he's dishing out some lessons. Uh, another good follow is Brett Rumford. He's got some really impressive short game stuff on there too. And uh, my guy, JD, I'm telling you, I, he, I would put his short game up with, with anybody. It's dude, who is this guy? Who is JD? So J yeah JD Fernandez he's a he's a he's he's still playing too uh, and he's an incredible player, um, but uh, he kind of supplements the playing with with the teaching and he helps out a lot of mini tour guys. Uh, I know he help he obviously helps out me. Uh, the guy who introduced me, Jacob Loya, who's another good mini tour player. Uh, trying to think, of Xander Winston, another guy he works with. Noah Hoffman. So like, there's a big group of Phoenix guys who, who all go see JD just because of how knowledgeable he is and, and how good of a player he is on top of that. So I feel like when you get that sort of combination, you know, of a guy who is just as good as you and he, and he can, and he's open to teaching you how to get better. I mean, that's kind of a no brainer as far as I'm concerned. And like I said, I I can't beat the guy in a chipping contest. It's incredible. He's, He's so good. Yeah try to get him on some casual shots and it's, he's, he's incredible. But I mean, it's all, like I said, healthy competition. Yeah, for sure. Cause that's yeah. a big part of it too. Right. It's just like, do you just have a bunch of guys you play with? Like when you're back in, in uh, like, like how do you push each yeah. other? Like, what's that like? Cause you have to have that sort of competitive edge, right? Gambling games. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, I play a lot with some of the guys I caddy with who are uh, still playing professionally as well. And we come out, we'll go out to Phoenix Country Club the majority of the time, and then we'll get some good, we'll get some good, uh, you know, a flip game, uh, wolf, just depending upon how many guys we get. And, you know, I try to pick up some, some individual action with, with guys in the group just to keep, 
keep me going and stuff like that. Uh, but I do feel like that's really the only way that you're, you can get better, you know, when you go out there and just play to play and there's nothing like really on the line, I feel like it's much harder to, to focus and, you know, get something out of it essentially. So nobody wants to lose money and nobody wants to like, listen to your, your one of your buddies say, Oh, I got you for a hundred last time, you know, or whatever, you know? So it's, uh, I, I definitely feel like that's the best way to get better for, especially, uh, for your regular golfers. I'm, I'm, I remember in high school playing for like candy bars or like, you know, a buck here, a buck there, whatever you got, you know, just something like that. And even then, you know, it's when you have something on the line and pride becomes a factor, it's, you get a little bit less, uh, you pucker a up a little. More. Yeah, exactly. Right. And that's, and that's the whole thing is you, you know, pressure. If you're going to get better, you have to get comfortable with the pressure and you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, you know, like a, like LeBron or whatever. <laughs> Dude, I see you always posting like Kobe on your stories, man. So like, is he is he a pretty big inspiration guy? Because like, dude, what you're doing right now, like, it's yeah. hard, right? Oh, man. everything in life is hard. Like, going up the rank is fucking hard. You know what I mean? And it's like badass to see from the outside looking in. So like, how do you fucking stay focused and how do you stay like motivated? Well, you know, I feel like God, I'm trying to remember this quote where uh, motive like uh, something about like motivation really. Like people think you, to be successful, you need to, you need motivation, but what you really need is discipline. So, um, you know, over the course of my professional career, I think the thing that I had struggled with the most was discipline. Like I always had the desire to be really successful, but I never was like, you know, all that disciplined and how I went about it. Um, but I had the motivation, right? So now later on in my professional career, I feel like I've gotten so much more discipline, whether it's like making that promise that I'm going to get up and go to the gym at five 30 in the morning and then go out and practice and play. Um, that's definitely something I've gotten better at. And that's definitely what I feel like I needed to get better and get to the next level. And that's why I feel like so confident going into Q school this year, because I've definitely made a lot, a lot of changes with myself and just like personally, like just things I'm not willing to waver on. Um, and I, I think that every person who's looking to play professional golf or just looking to play better golf in general has to be really honest with themselves and, you know, say like, Hey, dude, like I'm not giving this my best effort now, you know, or something, you know, along those lines. And that those things happen too. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're not cut out for it. It just means that if this is something that you want to do, you have to be, you have to unwaver, right? Like that, uh, what's that story about Kobe when he signed that big contract and he's like, I signed my name on the paper. And then, you know, most of the guys would have checked out, take a vacation. He's like, no, I already made this commitment to myself and that's what we're doing. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to give up on it. So, but yeah, to your, to answer your question, Kobe has been a, a big inspiration just because I have an appreciation for the people who are like mentally tough and um, just have honestly just have that dog in them. I mean, I feel like that's something that everybody who is successful has. Um, I wish I was a bigger Kobe fan. Like when he was playing, I was a big Allen Iverson fan. Um, so like I maybe was not the best, the biggest Kobe fan, but once, you know, so social media kind of changed a lot of things and you start hearing him talk and you're like, man, this guy is like a robot. He just job's not done, you know? And I feel like that's something that we, I definitely wanted to apply into my golf game. No, that's something that's interesting. Like, I love that, you know, like the, the whole yeah. dog, you know, like I want to be like that dude, when I think about yeah, like, who I want to become. But I also was watching this video yesterday about like leverage and like a big part of it is working hard. But then the other part is just like maximizing your time. So it's like 
you know, it's this balance between the two. And there's yeah, another even thing that I should, I'll even tell you too, is there's, there's times where I'll have to force myself to take a day off just because like, I want to go out and play golf that day. But also is that type of golf going to be, if I'm tired, is that golf going to be counterproductive? I mean, could I fall into a bad habit? You know, there's, there's like, there's, like you said, there is a, a given, a little bit of give and take where you have to be honest with yourself and, you know, realize that, Hey, I'm going to be going through the motions by the end, you know, by, you know, two hours into this. And I don't think that, you know, it might be better to go spend the day in the gym and do a bunch of stretching or, you know, just even have a day to chill and go do something with my dogs or, you know, something along those lines. So you'd mentioned like, like sort of the values, things you don't really waver from now. And that's like, not necessarily new, but like, you know, something that you're like more, uh, like willing to subscribe to now, like in this stage of your career. So like, what are those things? Is it like a certain hours of practice? Is it like a certain number of rounds per, per week kind of thing? Like, what are you unwavering on or how many times you go to the gym kind of thing? Yeah, it's more for me, it's always been, uh, I don't want to say like I've gone through the gym, but I haven't, or I would go to the gym, but it would just be, you know, less productive, I feel like. And then it would, you know, I wasn't holding myself accountable or like to a higher standard in the gym. So like, I, I really wasn't getting much out of it. Um, and then, you know, now this year, I made this commitment to pick up some weight. Um, and, you know, just try to because I wanted to start hitting the ball farther. Um and I also wanted to get more discipline in an area where I didn't feel I was disciplined because I feel like that would just bleed into every aspect of my life, not even just golf. Right. Um, so I feel like if I'm holding myself accountable for things that don't necessarily relate with golf, it's going to make me a better golfer and make me tougher mentally because I'm not willing to take, you know, I'm willing to do things other people aren't essentially. Yeah. Dude, I know this is a golf podcast, but that's kind of where I'm like at right now. So I just want to connect with you because I always see you posting this stuff and I'm like, all right, well, Marty's got that dog in him. If he's reposting Kobe, like, that's yeah. badass. I mean, you know what I mean? And I mean, like I'm saying, like, there's still, there's still times where I'm like, dude, that's weak. Like, you're, you know, like I'll have a thought come through my head and, uh, you know, I'm like, that's a, such a weak thought, dude. Like, take it, you know, take it easy on yourself. It's okay to get upset with yourself, but you also have to figure out. You know, like, how can I use that for motivation? Sort of like Rom. Rom is a perfect example of that, right? He gets upset with himself. But by the time he's standing over that next shot, it's all it's all business. It's all that next shot. And he uses that anger as motivation, which is also something that I struggled with, too, growing up as a junior golfer. A bad attitude would get angry. And I thought, oh, yeah, I'm using this to get myself pumped up. And really, I was just lying to myself the whole entire time and, you know, just wasting energy. Um, so I feel like, because I think humans are inherently negative people, you know what I mean? And that's Agreed. kind of creeps into golf. Agreed. That's why golf is this crazy game. It's like you have to be present. You have to be in the moment. You have to be positive because you have to shoot yeah. a good score. But like our foundation, yeah. and I'm not saying everyone's like this, but I feel like a lot of people are just sort of negative as their baseline, oh, you know? So you have to Agreed. change that. So it's like changing your whole psych like psyche, psychology. Your brain. Yeah, you got to yeah. make your brain is hardwired to like – remember the negative and forget the forget the positive right so i mean you could there's times when i played you know played really good rounds of golf and uh you know maybe three putted the last hole and then i'm completely throwing out the 17 good holes of golf i had just because i hit three putts on the last you know and once i was able to start kind of looking that a little looking at that a little bit more objectively i would come out the next day and then, you know, recreate that same exact putt on the putting green and then two putt it and then go, you know, get something out of it and just saying it's a fluke, you know, it happens. Three putts happen. That chips happen. Foul balls happen, you know, and that's that's something where I feel like I've really matured 
a lot. And I do think that me being disciplined in the gym is also, again, helped me be more disciplined upstairs. And I'm just definitely, definitely happy that I've been making these big changes mentally, even more so than my golf swing stuff. I, I feel like that's been, that's been huge for me. And that's definitely the thing that I needed to work on the most when it comes to like golf, but not like actually swinging the club, if that makes sense. Right. For sure. No, dude, I'm sorry for anyone who's listening. Who's like, Oh, this is a golf podcast, but I just feel like it's important to to reflect on this kind of stuff. So bringing it back to golf, man, like more golf, because dude, you look at your Instagram page and you're sponsored by like two of the cruelest brands I think out there. Number one, Mira, number two, Asher. Dude, yeah. I'm like, there's no fucking better combination than Mira Asher. So yeah, like, how did that. that come about, dude? How did you get to, uh, like signed by Mira? So, uh, I was playing, I just moved out to Phoenix and, uh, uh, was playing at a Phoenix country club and there was a bunch of, uh, would play in the skins game occasionally. And we would, uh, you know, get paired up randomly, essentially. So I just won Las Vegas open and it was my first professional win. And I won by seven shot 60. Yeah. I went crazy. Dude, can we <laughs> dial into, can we talk about that real fast yeah. too? Cause I was yes. reading some, I was reading an article about that. Yeah. And it's like, I don't want to say what happened at the very end or like, can we talk about like that whole process of you winning that? Yeah. So it was, uh, it was sort of interesting that, right. I, uh, wasn't necessarily like at a high point in my professional career. Cause I just, I was caddying out at Whisper Rock in Scottsdale and I was just working a bunch and I really wasn't all that focused on golf. Um, but what I feel like that did something to me mentally too. Right. I felt like I didn't have the competition, which is like one of the things I love most about golf. It felt like the competition, you know, was being taken away from me. So after the caddy season was over and I was able to start focusing on myself, I was so excited to go compete. Just so excited. I didn't even necessarily care, like, if I played well. I mean, obviously I did, but I wasn't, like, going to beat myself up if I had a bad tournament. So my first tournament back was Arizona Open qualifying, and I shot, like, 74 and didn't get in. And then I had, like, two, three days – before I left for Las Vegas open took one of those days off and then got some good practice in and then just headed out and went. And then the minute I got there, I just like something just felt different. Like I was like, okay, it's not a qualifier. We have three days to get the, you know, to get something going and, you know, just kind of see where the cards fall and um, played really well. The first day, I think I had like I had two bogeys and shot 66 um, and I was tied for the lead or one back. I can't really remember. I think it was tied for the lead. And then the next day I shot uh, 65 and that was probably one of the better rounds I'd ever put together just in terms of like, like I, I made a double bogey in one of the, or during that round. And, you know, like the very next hole I made Eagle. And I always remember one of my good friends. Uh, yeah. Bounce back on the very next hole, make Eagle. Uh, and one of my good friends, Sam Saunders, he's an incredible mini tour player too. And I've learned a lot from him as well. Uh, just about, you know, professional being a professional. Um, and he won, he's won Colorado Open, he's won everything. And he always said that he he always felt like he was playing his best golf when he would make a bogey, and then the next hole he makes a birdie, makes a double, next hole he makes an eagle. So I feel like the minute that happened, like I just remembered him saying that, and I was like, I was like, damn, I'm playing good. You know, and then I came in, shot 65, uh, like I said. And then the last day I went in leading by three, or yeah, three or four, and then I shot 65 again, but this time I did a bogey free, which – was like one of the goals I set for myself that day. Cause I told myself that, you know, if I, you know, if I shoot, if I go bogey free, nobody's going to catch up to me just because I was playing that well. 
And uh, I knew that if I kept, you know, if I was avoiding the bogeys that I was just going to be in the position to where I was going to be, you know, not very nervous coming down the stretch. Um, and that's, you know, I had a incredible lag putt on the last hole. I didn't, I mean, mini tour events, I don't like looking at leaderboards while I'm playing. Um, so uh, mini tour golf, you don't necessarily know where you're at. I knew, you know, I knew I was probably clear because I was seven under going into the last hole for the, for the day. And, uh, you know, I had an incredible lag putt and, you know, I just, I just felt like this weight was lifted off my shoulder because I just went number one, I went bogey free. And then number two, I, I knew I probably won and it was just a great experience. And my wife was there and then my best friend and his girlfriend flew from, uh, flew out from Phoenix to, uh, to come celebrate with us. And it was just, it was just a great experience. It was incredible. Yeah. Dude, that's crazy. Yeah. Did you win by that many too? After kind of coming off like sort of a hiatus? Yeah. Win by seven, you know, my first professional tournament to win by seven. And uh, right after, you know, not even qualifying for the Arizona Open right after was, you know, it was, I don't want to say it was unexpected because I do expect to win every tournament or at least, you know, compete. Um, So like to have, to be the one who's playing better than everybody else that week is so much fun. Because generally, you, you know, you play good golf a lot, but there's always, you know, typically there's always somebody who's playing better than you just statistically. And uh, like they're you know, play, playing their very best, right? Like yeah, they're peaking exactly. essentially like at that time. So yeah. you could, you could be playing great, but they're freaking like, like on an absolute heater. Right. And it's like, yeah, it's happened to me too. Hard I mean, to win been, tournaments. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it happens a lot too. And you see the Monday qualifiers all the time, but uh, so, yeah. So after I won in Vegas, uh, I went back to Phoenix and, you know, I shot 59 and, you know, I was just on, I was just on an absolute heater. Yeah. Um, 59, dude. Yeah. Bogey 59 free 59. Venetian. Yeah. I had no Eagles, no bogeys. It was just, it was just a birdie fest. It was a blast. Uh, so then I was playing at Phoenix country club in a, in a skins game. And I was playing with uh, uh, the CEO of Mira and I, I mean, I shot 62 with like two or three bogeys that day. And uh, just like, still just continuing to play great golf and, and uh, he, you know, invited me to go out and try the clubs and, you know, see if I liked them and then tried them and loved them, obviously, because they're incredible clubs. If you haven't tried them, I mean, they're, they're incredible. Um, what were you playing yeah. before that? Like, were you always a, a Titleist? Okay. Or was like a Titleist yeah. guy? Yeah. Yeah. And I played Titleist Irons. I mean, pretty much my, you know, from end of high school all the way through college and into professional like the well, MBs, I, like a bladey fucking. No, I played the CBs, and you know, honestly, when I won, I was still playing the uh, seven eight. I was playing seven eighteen CBs for for ages. Um, so yeah, I played those, and then I switched into the TC two hundred ones, and then now I'm playing the the or yeah, yeah, I'm playing the five hundred twos now, which are incredible. Definitely, definitely my favorite iron I've ever hit. Were you always like a big equipment guy, grow, like growing up and stuff too? Like you're just a nerd, like on the for, on the on the forums, like WRX and yeah, just like looking like my golf spy was big when I was in high school, and I was always like waiting for you know new stuff to come out, and you know whether I got it or not, I just wanted to like you know see and kind of you know just you know be knowledgeable of what's coming out, and you know if it's if it's something that you know I might like or something that you know might help me play better golf, you know I wasn't afraid to. Well, definitely wasn't afraid to try anything. Um, so getting sponsored yeah. by Mura is like for a club junkie is literally like, dude, there's nothing better than that. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's so cool to, you know, go in and, you know, see everybody at Mira is awesome to me. They're 
everybody's super supportive. Uh, you know, they're rooting for me all the time. And, you know, it's fun that, you know, they call me in to do some photo shoots every once in a while, which is pretty cool. Cause you know, I get to see a lot of the new stuff before, you know, before it even comes out, which is awesome too. Um, and then, you know, uh, just like having somebody who wants or having a company that like cares that much about like their clubs being great, you know, is, is awesome because I can go in there and, you know, have some of the guys tweak, you know, lofts or lies on my irons or on my wedges, especially. And, you know, it's, a, it's a fun, it's fun being a part of Mira. Yeah. Do they have like a studio in, in like Phoenix then or? Yeah. So Mira is uh, all owned by 8am golf and uh, it's like Mira, uh, Chirp Golf, um, True Spec. And that's where it is. Uh, Mira is based out of True Spec. Oh, no way. So that's literally like the best combo ever. Like Mira plus best True combo. Spec. Exactly. Yeah. And the guys at True Spec, they're amazing fitters for anybody watching or watching or listening in Phoenix. If you ever need clubs, if you ever want to get fit for clubs, go to True Spec, no matter what, whether it's for Mira, Ping, Cobra, whatever, go, go to True Spec. They're awesome. Do they grind your wedges for you? Like right on the spot too? Like, yeah, they, so, I mean, they definitely, there's guys that in there, in there that can do that. Uh, I just haven't necessarily messed around with it just because I actually really like the wedges and I haven't really felt a need to mess around with them too much, but I mean, if you definitely wanted to take, you know, have some bounce taken off your wedges, they would definitely do that for you. So. Yeah, that's that's when we first connected. We were talking about wedge bounces. Yeah, exactly. Because exactly. I just I just got more bounce on uh, my fifty six. Because I I just like to open it up and get like nippier. And I had like eight degrees bounce on this thing, and it just wasn't enough. So I switched to ten degrees, and like that two degrees made like a pretty big difference. Like I can open it up and hit like way higher shots. I mean, I don't know why I wasn't playing more bounce. I want to get more bounce on pretty much like everything throughout the bag. Like the fifty, I play like uh, it's fifty. 56 and then 58 but they're bent so like the gapping's right but i just want i just want to have more bounce so i can you know i just love like we said messing around on the the short game facility and just getting nippier around there 100 percent. and a lot of people don't know like necessarily know what bounce is right so i mean bounce is there to help you i mean if you look at any really good chipper every good chipper throughout the history of golf for the most part maybe with the exception of like phil is using the bounce to the to the extreme paul azinger had an incredible short game that guy was would grind with the bounce uh, and obviously Parker Rumford. I mean, there's so many guys that are, you know, bounce junkies and, you know, you, you're playing firm, you're playing firm golf courses. Typically you wouldn't want like a crazy amount of bounce too, because if you like to open it up, you don't really want to see that gap between the leading edge and the ground. Uh, but I mean, also if you release it, right. I mean, you can really hit some incredible shots using that bounce, um, which is like I said, some of the stuff I worked on with, with uh, Parker and, you know, some of the stuff I still work on with JD is, you know, using that bounce effectively because it's there to help you. I mean, it's forgiveness. It's just essentially right. a wedge is forgiveness. For sure. So, yeah. Dude, do you nerd out with like shafts? Like, have you played the Breakthrough Golf Technology wedge shafts? Have you seen No, those? so actually I, I, I'm I, not as – like, I don't tinker that much anymore. Um, right. I, I play KBSC tapers, and I've been playing those since – got since college. Um they're like the and 120s really, or they're like stouty shower. Yeah. So I have 125 S pluses in my irons. And then uh, I actually have a regular stiff in my lob wedge because I like, it's a little bit lighter and I'm never really hitting that full anyway. So I can feel the head through the chip shots, which I love. And also I feel like I, I'm not swinging that hard. I don't need something that, that stiff essentially. Um, and then with the driver, I mean, I play a Titleist uh, TSR. Yeah. TSR three. And I've had 
the speeder 757 in my driver since 2017. So I haven't, I haven't been able to get rid of it. And have you AB tested it at true spec or no? Yeah. I mean, I've, I, I think the closest thing was the Ventus, uh, for me, but I also like, if I'm not getting, you know, an extra 10 or, you know, I, I really didn't, you know, wasn't into, wasn't into changing. So, uh, but yeah, this is like the first time this year was like the first time I had had like a hundred percent new clubs through the bag. Uh, so it was sort of usually, I mean, I putted with uh Scotty Cameron button back for, and I still, I mean, I'm still, I'm probably going to go back to it eventually at some point, but I mean, I putted with that since my senior year in high school. Hmm. Wait, what are you gaming right now then? Uh, I have a uh, jet set, a uh, Newport two. Oh, the all black one. Yeah, but actually, I had a, a friend at uh, uh, Embrace Putters in Phoenix. He uh, welded a long neck on there for me, and uh, actually changed the finish up because I'm not the biggest fan of a black putter uh, for whatever reason. That just never really caught my eye. But uh, the thing, the reason why I went to the jet set was because of the top line. The top line, I, I was kind of been struggling with my alignment a little bit, and having the top line there just felt like gave me a little bit more freedom with with aiming. I wasn't questioning it as much as I was uh, standing over the button back. Right. Are you an aim point guy too? Like, do you, do you use aim point at all or no? Mm -mm. Would you ever consider it or? I I definitely have considered it. I just feel that, I mean, I feel like I'm a pretty good putter um, historically. And I feel like I've done it pretty well the way I do it. And I just haven't really been, you know, like all that interested in like relearning it just because, I, I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to tell you. Well, dude, it's you're just, a cat. Like you, you've caddied yeah. a ton too. So like, it's yeah. just interesting to see like, as your perspective, like from a caddy yeah. perspective, I don't know. Like, yeah. See, I, I, I feel like, you know, I, I putting is like the most athletic part about golf. And what I mean is, is like, there's not, I mean, you, there's so many different ways to putt. you got guys like Snedeker and then you got Lee Hodges, right? I mean, Lee Hodges has probably my favorite stroke on tour, really long and flowy and, uh, you know, even Ben Crenshaw took that thing straight inside and, you know, released the heck out of it. So, I mean, I feel like putting, there is the least amount of like, you have to do this to be successful. There's no right way to putt essentially. Right. So I feel like once now that I have like my thing, like I feel for the line in my, with my feet and I'm kind of walking around the green, kind of just feeling stuff in my feet. And I just feel like I'm way better on feel than I am on the mechanics, if that makes sense for sure. of aim point. Yeah. No, just curious. Cause I've had on a name point guy, you know, and he talked a little bit about it and I've learned a little bit about it. I haven't taken the full class, but like I've made some putts, like it just feels good to like, I guess just kind of walk, you know, in your line and feel like slow. Maybe you don't like subscribe to the whole thing, but just to get that feeling, I think is, is like, you know, interesting. Right. Yeah. I mean, and a hundred percent too. Right. Because, and I'd never tell anybody don't use aim point because I've seen guys make everything with aim point. I mean, everything. Um, but I also feel like, you know, if you listen to like guys like Brad Faxon, you know, like he's like a hundred percent a field putter, right? Like he's saying like he might take it back outside one or a little bit more outside one time, but at the, at the ball, he's going to get it back to hitting his line. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's something I've always done well. And I think if I got, were to get like a little bit too enamored with like, you know, the aim point side of it, then I feel like I would take away the thing I do best when it comes to putting, which is like the actual being athletic and, and like feeling, yeah. And sort of reacting. Right. No, it's interesting. It's like a split camp. Some people are super into it. Other people are, and it's at different levels too. Like, dude, you know, I use aim point and I'm fucking 
like five handicap it. No, but it's still, and like I said, like if, whatever you have to do to help you make more putts, I am a massive fan. And I tell that to people I've daddy for too. It's like, hey, I don't care if you're putting with, you know, a broomstick or side saddling it. If you get the ball in the hole, let's go with, you know, let's let's 100% roll with this because it's way more fun to make putts than anything else in golf. There's nothing better than making a bomb on your buddies for a couple bucks or, you know, a big putt to, you know, extend a match or something like that. I mean, that's just, I mean, look at the pub Bryson made to shoot 58. I mean, how much, I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah. Dude, he was pretty pumped for sure. Did you see he was using a crank driver? Yeah, he's using the crank driver, man. I couldn't believe that. When I saw that, I thought it was a joke. I was like, what? I thought it was a stealth too, because I had watched this like what's in the bag with him previously. And he, you know, like now he's, I guess, brand agnostic. I don't know. They must have just dropped him once he joined Liv, uh, you know, Cobra. But he was using a stealth too. And then I saw he's using a crank driver and like crank three wood. He's just, I mean, Bryson, he's like, uh, I played one tournament. I didn't play, like, I wasn't paired with him in his group, but we played in the Pacific Coast Amateur. And I was watching him, you know, hit balls. And the guy's just an impressive talent. I mean, he he was one of those guys. And he didn't, he wasn't like as, you know, like, yeah, exactly right. Like, that guy, no matter what that guy did, he was going to be successful in, you know, in terms of like with his golf swing. He was going to win on the PGA Tour, swinging it the way he did coming into, you know, or in college. And then he was going to win on the PGA Tour doing it how he does it now, which, He's just super smart and he grinds and I got, I got tons of respect for him. I'm not like, you know, Bryson, you're, you're my guy, you know, anything like that, but I definitely have a ton of respect for him doing it his own way and being stubborn about it. Yeah. Respect dude. Dude. So we're kind of coming up on the hour mark here. I mean, I would love to have you on again, like dude, great conversation. If you ever want to come on, dude, you're always welcome. But any closing thoughts here um, just in general about golf and, life yeah i mean if i i think uh you know i obviously a big thank you to you for having me and like having this you know open forum and uh you know i got tons of you know great stuff coming up with uh with you know my golf game and then this driving for the or drive for the dream stuff which is which is pretty cool this uh project that uh you know a couple guys uh got started for mini tour players and they basically uh you know are helping us out with entry fees giving this this platform to continue to play professional golf and it's all it's all mini tour guys so it's really really organic and you know hopefully it uh hopefully it takes off we got full support from the pga tour and uh you know we have this awesome opportunity to get a bunch of mini tour guys out there and kind of follow our follow our dreams and you know by and large you know get a tv series around it kind of similar to uh docuseries similar to full swing and Big things, big things coming up, and I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to that, and looking forward. Wait, to the so playing. is that already recorded, or is that in the process? No, it's coming recorded. up. We've been we've been working on it, uh, just kind of getting all the preliminary stuff done, and uh, yeah, finding some sponsors that have been super super gracious to us, helping us out with with entry fees, travel, lodging. I mean, literally anything you could think of. These guys are working their butts off to to give us this opportunity to be successful playing professional golf and. Uh, you know, we got the, the stamp of approval from the PJ tour. They're super, you know, they support us telling our story and, uh, yeah, yeah we got, it's, it's pretty cool. It's That's really badass. cool. I didn't know the PJ tour, like it signed off like on that. Yeah. They basically, you know, they're, they're, they're big fans of like what the, uh, what the idea is behind it. They, uh, you know, they just don't necessarily have the bandwidth to do it themselves or else I'm sure they right. would, or maybe they wouldn't, I don't know. But, uh, you know, uh, 
these guys, Hunter, Hunter Schwartz and Jesse Fowler have been, you know, I met them out in Phoenix and, you know, they basically uh, brought me on board to be one of uh, one of the guys that they are casting for the show. And um, yeah, it's going to be really cool to not only just see like my side of, you know, professional golf, but see some other guys who are in different positions than me in life and uh, in their games and, and so on and so forth. It's going to be a cool series. Yeah, dude, I'm stoked. I'm stoked. I'll link all that. But I really appreciate you, Marty. It was a great conversation, my man. Same. This is a great conversation and best of luck and looking forward to be, making it back on the podcast again sometime. Thank you.